he shall be called the one who angels sang glory to God in the highest, the one whose kingdom stretches from everlasting to everlasting, the one whose feet tread among crowns, the one whose lips speak life and silences death, the one who shakes the gates of hell with his very breath and proclaims the fight finished, the one who will not share his glory and does not divide his spoils, the one who will remain as oceans rise and nations fall, the one whose throne will be established forever. He is the one who places glory on our heads, the one we bend the knee to, the one who is the Messiah, Christ our Savior, who is coming again, and he shall be called King of Kings. Advent. Man, it's December 12th. Can you guys believe that? I know there's been a lot going on tonight, a lot of different pieces. Guys, I'm just so honored to get to celebrate the houses and, and see what God is doing here as we just like round the corner to the end of 2021. Can you guys believe it? Like 2021 is almost over. Do you remember when it was still felt like 2020 all the time? Like it, yes, it's still now. It's like, did 2020 end? Or are we just like, did we get like a two for one, right? I, look, I know we're tired. We're feeling it. It's been a hard couple of years. And so I am so excited as we continue in our Advent series because Advent is really a time about anticipation. It's a time of looking forward. Advent is all about hope. It's all about what can I look to in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the weariness, in the middle of the craziness, what can I look to for some relief? And in this series, we've been digging into that the message of Jesus Christ and the message of the word of God is that ultimately, at the end of the day, it's okay to look forward to the weekend because it just dumped 12 inches of snow and you want to go skiing. That's awesome. But God knows that the full joy that your heart needs is not on that mountain. It's actually in his presence, and fully, it's actually when he returns. And so Advent is about a season of redirecting our hope to be connected to the ultimate deliverance and the ultimate fulfillment of God's promises which is Christ came one time and he's coming again. And he's coming again, tonight I get to tell you, as king of kings. He's coming again as king of kings. Look at Luke chapter one. Go ahead and flip in your Bible to Luke chapter one, verse 26. And as you're flipping there or as you're you know, maybe searching in your phone, Luke chapter one, I just wanna tell you this amazing story from last week. I was, uh, my wife, Arlena, amazing job last week preaching on wonderful counselor. How many were challenged or encouraged by that word? <laughs> Essentially, that Jesus prophesied himself as wonderful counselor. After his death, resurrection, and ascension to the heaven, he sent us who? The third member of the, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, who you, he said would be in you and would be with you and would reveal more to you and would speak to you. I know we live in a time where we've just been handed the book, and this is amazing. Who's thankful for the word of God? But you know that the early church didn't have this book, but they had the wonderful counselor, and they learned how to walk by the voice of the Holy Spirit. They walked in partnership with the voice of God living in them and among them. 
amazing message. I'm snuggling with our eight-year-old Caleb that night, okay, putting him to bed, and, and uh, we're snuggling. He goes, he goes, Dad, Mom did such a good job today. He was in the room. He goes, she did such a good job. I'm so proud of Mom. And he goes, he goes Dad, who do you think's a better preacher, you or Mom? <laughs> and then he goes, I'm not going to say because I don't want to hurt your feelings. <laughs> But you're great, Dad. You're great. You're great, too. Y'all are both awesome. And he says, but, but Dad, sometimes, he says, Dad, sometimes up there, you just sound frustrated. I'm like, oh, you're so right. Like, so God begins the wonderful counselor, okay, through my eight-year-old son, this past week begins to counsel me, uh, th- th- correct me. And began to reveal to me, and so I, this is a segue into me actually apologizing and repenting to you guys as our church family, but began really convicting me that there's been, uh, in this whole season, everything going on, I'm just here in Salt Lake, but the last 18 months, just some frustration that is like built up in my heart. And I think since being here at times, there's been some impatience in my heart. And 1 Thessalonians 5 says it like this. He said, it says that in any given body, there's many different groups of people. And so if you want to be a patient pastor, you need to, it says you need to admonish the unruly or the undisciplined. Admonish is like a correction. So if you're kind of like lazy and bumming around and you, and you need a, a kick in the butt, then like, then a good pastor will actually kick you in the butt and challenge you, right? But then it says, for the faint-hearted, bring encouragement. And for the weak, help them. And I've heard over the past month, a lot of people in this body say, I just think people are weary. It's been a hard couple years, and I think people are faint-hearted. And yet I have come and continued in my style, and I'm, I'm, I'm pressing into this with God, my style leans more towards challenge and admonishment, and come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. But when you're weary and faint-hearted, you don't actually need a bunch of admonishment. You need encouragement. So I am repenting for my impatience and any time I've been on this stage and I've communicated out of frustration and I would ask that you would please forgive me and that you would show me grace and be patient with me as I'm growing as a leader, as I'm growing as the new leader, lead pastor in this house, I would ask you guys to forgive me because I want to, thank you, I, I want to I walk in that patient heart of God and know what is needed when, okay? So along those lines, I worked very hard this week to make sure that this message tonight is encouraging, okay? (laughs) And not just admonishment, okay, and challenge, all right? I think there's gonna be challenge in it because it's the word of God, amen? But, But my heart tonight is to encourage you about the King of Kings, and who he is. Luke 1, famous Christmas passage. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at the saying. She tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great 
and check this, will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne, somebody say throne, of his father David. And he will reign, somebody say reign, over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, somebody say kingdom, there will be no end. Church, be encouraged The throne belongs to Jesus. His reign will have no end. His kingdom will increase and prevail. We don't see it fully yet, but part of this Advent season is reminding ourselves, guys, it is coming. And as we wait for the full coming of the throne, so we say throne, the reign, say reign, and the kingdom, we are learning as his sons and daughters to partner with him now to see thy kingdom come, pray it with me, thy will be done on as it is. Of his throne and his reign and his kingdom, there will be no end. There is no confusion as to how this thing ends for us. But we are in the tension in the middle and there is an opportunity for us and a cry of our hearts to partner with God and say, thy kingdom come, Father, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Matthew 16, fast forward now, he's been born, he's lived about 31, 32 years, and he comes into the district of Philippi, and he asks his disciples, did you notice when the angel appeared to Mary, he said to her that you shall call his name. The first thing that that the angel revealed to Mary. Guys, don't miss this. The first thing that the heavens revealed to the earth about the coming Messiah was what? His name. Hey, do you know that Antioch Salt Lake exists to see the name of Jesus exalted over this valley until every person has the opportunity to encounter his presence, healing, and freedom? The first thing heaven revealed to earth was what? His name. And then, fast forward years later, Jesus is talking to the disciples in Matthew 16. We'll get it on the screen. In verse 14, no, sorry, verse 13, he says, so who do the people what? Say that I am. What name are they calling me? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And don't miss this, check this out. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The throne and the reign and the kingdom of Jesus will have no end. We're in the middle right now learning how to see his kingdom come. And I believe that there is a a, a key, a key to the kingdom of God 
in this passage where he literally says, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom, right? That God is wanting to entrust to us tonight. And it has to do with the answer to this incredible, famous question, who do you say that I am? Do you know that your revelation of Jesus is the most important thing about your life? Your revelation of who Jesus is is the most important thing about you. And I would say as a church body, and any church body, the most important thing about a church body is its revelation of Jesus. In this passage, he said, the gates of hell will not prevail. But how many of you know that the gates of hell actually have prevailed against many a church, many a church body? You've been a part of some of them, not just here in the city, but where there was something, in, something lacking in our revelation of Jesus that actually gave the enemy a foothold to prevail. Because what, here's what I want you to see tonight. The rock upon which the church was built was not just Peter but it was Peter's revelation of Jesus. Remember what he said? Who, who do you say they am? Well, a lot of people have a lot of different thoughts about who you are. Do you know you're living in that world, the same world? A lot of people have a lot of different answers. Peter says, you, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus was so excited. He said, I can build on that. Do you see what I'm saying, church? I can build an unshakable house on that revelation, not just even on you, Peter, on that revelation of who I am. Do you know that our revelation of who Jesus is, who do we say that he is? Church, it is the most important thing about us. And I came tonight to tell you that he is the king of kings and that he will and he wants to give us the keys to his kingdom so that we can see on earth as it is in heaven. But listen, listen. How many of you guys, 15, 16 years old, just got your permit or your license? Mom or dad's got some cool car. You've been eyeing it for a decade. I just cannot wait till I turn 16 and daddy lets me drive the Camaro, right, or the F-150 or whatever, right? But, but look, look, a good authority will not entrust you with a king, a, a key to something powerful until you have the character and the maturity to steward that thing, okay? He's not holding out on you. He's not holding back from you. He is loving you. So church, be encouraged. We are on a journey of maturity, and we are on a journey of having the accurate revelation of who Jesus is, and if we can get the revelation of who do we say that he is, I believe we can be entrusted with keys to the kingdom, but not without Peter's revelation. Who do you say that I am? It's like God saying, as you get to know my nature, I can entrust you with my property and my power. Are you with me, church? I believe that even now, God is looking for people that he can entrust with the keys to his kingdom. He wants this more than we do. 
He wants it more than we do, but he's a good father, and he's not going to put the key to some powerful thing in our hand if we're not ready, and we're going to drive that thing off the road. But as we submit to Peter's revelation of his lordship, we can be trusted with the king's kingdom, y'all. We can be trusted. Psalm 24, I love this. Let's go to the, the second slide here, verses 7 through 10. Psalm 24, it says, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. It says, Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. He says it again, who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. Church, tonight, I'm here to encourage you that we would answer the question together, who is the king of glory? And I want us to see tonight that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. Okay, we spent a few weeks on the anointed one series back in, what was that, August, September. Christ means anointed one for the sake of time tonight. Go listen to all three of those messages, okay, because we drilled deep. But we have to live with the ongoing revelation that Jesus is the Christ, meaning that he alone was anointed by God to change everything. That's what anointing means. And that's what his anointing does. In Isaiah 61, we see the spirit of the Lord was upon him to preach good news to the poor. Somebody in here needs good news tonight in your poverty. To preach healing. He sent me to bind up the broken hearted. There's places where our hearts need binding and healing and restoration, and Jesus is anointed to do it. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Look, captives are in captivity usually because somebody else sinned against them. You see what I'm saying? They were taken captive. Prisoners are usually in prison because of their own choices, right? Isn't it amazing that if you're enslaved to something, regardless of it came from your own choices or somebody else sinning against you, that God came to bring liberty? He's the anointed one. Church, we have to keep in front of us always that he can change anything. What do you need to put before the king tonight? What impossible situation, what broken place, what bondage, what do you need to put before the anointed king? He is the Christ. He is the son of the living God. Now, does this mean that God had a kid? Nobody's talking because we don't really know what son of God means, right? Which is like sort of an indictment for any church that believes the Bible. So can we just agree real quick that we need to figure out what does son of God mean? Like, did God have a kid or is there something else going there? And some of y'all could probably get up here and teach this, but can I just like teach you for a minute? Can I just like shepherd us on what son of God? Because we're celebrating in the Advent season, right? The arrival of the son of God. 
right? And I know the Holy Spirit overshadowed a virgin, and she, we read that she had this miraculous birth, right? But it, there's so much more than like, oh, God had a kid? That's a little strange. Can we just be honest for a second? Okay, look, this, the phrase, son of God, actually, I was, I was doing some research on this. I found an incredible Bible church down the road in Lehigh, Utah, with the most amazing little two-minute video. So props to Pastor Nathaniel down in Lehigh. I don't know who he is, but I'm just encouraged there's a Bible church preaching in Lehigh, you know? And so he, uh, so, so give credit where credit's due, but he's like, look, it does not mean that God the Father literally had a son. The phrase son of means the nature of, and we see this at different times in, in the Bible. We see Barnabas was the son of encouragement. Did that mean that encouragement was like his daddy? No, he had the nature of encouragement inside of him, right? Uh, James and John are called the sons of thunder. Anybody remember that? Okay, were they like children of Zeus? Or like, did they, were they really born out of lightning? No, like they were fiery dudes, right? They were like the Murray Watts of the New Testament, you know? Like they were like rowdy, powerful, you know? Sons of thunder, man. Like, I've been looking for my brother my whole life, dude. Um, but it's, so, so Jesus being the son of God, it was talking about the nature that dwelled in him. Look, look, look. He was fully the nature of God inside of him. He was fully God. It was a, it's reference to his deity. Son of God was reference to his deity. Colossians 2, 8 through 10. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Hold on a second. Is that verse on the screen? Okay, can you just see something real quick? Do you know that there are actually forces, people, spirits, stuff out there trying to take you captive to other revelations of Jesus, other worldviews other than the one that's in the word of God, do you know that that's actually going on? Okay, I don't have time for this right now. The entire book of 1 John is written pretty much to him saying, hey, he's writing it to his spiritual children, and he, the whole book is him basically saying, hey, there are all kinds of things out there trying to deceive you and take you captive into deception. Be aware, and here's how you discern whether something is from God or not. Go read 1 John chapter 4. If you're struggling with discerning something, and you're trying to figure out if it's from God or not, 1 John 4. It'll give you a couple of filters for discerning deception versus truth, and it will help clarify so many situations for you. But... There are actually things trying to take us captive. But he says, look, but in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwelt in bodily form, and you've been filled in him. And he's the head of all rule and all authority. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. The deity of Christ, believing that Jesus was fully God, believing that he was the full nature and character and represent, representation of God, actually rescues us from a whole host of deception. By keeping our eyes, remember the revelation of Peter, the anointed one who was fully God in our midst, right? And we see that he's the king who sits on the throne, guys. He's the most high. Did you see that? He's the head of some of the rulers and authorities, right? Is that what it said? 
He is the head of what, church? Okay, so what fits under the category of all? What is actually contained under that three-letter three 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 little word, all? Do you know what the Greek word for all means? I'm just messing with y'all. I didn't look it up, but I think it means all. <laughs> Guys, we either believe that Jesus is the king of kings and that all rule and authority is underneath his feet. It is below him, or we don't. Or we say some of it is, and if we say just some of it is, then he's not the king of kings anymore. So we actually need to reclaim Peter's vision of the king of kings. And I wanna tell you a couple things about the king band. Y'all go ahead and come up here. A little bit of a shorter message tonight. And everybody said amen. All right, no. Uh, but here, I wanna tell you a couple things about the king of kings and this prayer. Will we pray, and y'all pray it with me again, because this is powerful. This prayer was never meant to be prayed alone, and we know that because the first two words of the, the Lord's Prayer are what? Our Father. Pray with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A couple things about the king of kings. You want to know what's so, so, so amazing about this? Number one, the king is your father. How cool is that? We preached on everlasting father two weeks ago. You get to climb up into the lap of your daddy who holds the keys to your future. He holds all of your provision. He holds all of your identity, all of your protection. He's the perfect, everlasting father. And you get to sit in his lap and you get to let him father you as this perfect, divine covering. And then he sends the Holy Spirit as your wonderful counselor. And you get to lean into the voice of God as he counsels you. And he leans in and teaches you the paths of life. And the coolest thing is that this father who is this counselor is also the king over everything. Your father is the king. But check this out. Thy kingdom come. What's the next line? Thy, okay, okay. The will of God. Here's, um, this is what I want to bring to you and put before you tonight, church, okay? Is that we cannot cry, your kingdom come, and leave it at that. I, I believe that thy kingdom come and thy will be done. It's the same sides of this, it's two sides of the same coin. Because do you know that the king of kings, our everlasting father, that he has a will, that means there are things, your, what your will is simply what pleases you. I want you to say, pleases. How many parents in the room? Wave at me, okay? Hey, mom and dad, okay? You got some things that your kids do that please you? Yeah, right? He's like, wow, man, that is amazing. Thank you for being so, just like helping out around the house, right? right? Hey, mom and dad, wave at me again. You got some things your kids do in your house that don't please you. I didn't even have to answer, you know, answer that. Listen, here's the deal. God has a will. That means that there are some things that please him and there are some things that don't please him. And guess what? Remember the keys of the kingdom? And he's wanting to entrust the keys of his authority to see on earth as it is in heaven. Do you remember that? Remember that? 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Who do you think Father God wants to hand the keys to? His children that what? That know what pleases the Father. Look, we cannot see the kingdom of God come without being obsessed with figuring out what pleases God's heart. There are things that please the king and there are things that do not please the king. And I don't have time to get into all of them tonight, all right? But there'll be a part two. Come back next week, all right? Because I got 10 pages up here, all right? But, but listen, here's what we need to know. That word kingdom, it's the right or the authority to rule. Now, parents, again, are you the head of your house or are the kid, your kids the head of your house? You are. As mom and dad, you actually have the right to rule and lead your home. You have that authority. But check this out. If your kids don't submit to your authority, I don't care how peaceful you want your house to be. If your kids are revolting against your authority, your house is chaos, right? But this word kingdom means, church, this is not a correction, okay? I told you I'm being encouraging, okay? Listen, listen, he has the right to bring the kingdom, nothing. Guys, he's already disarmed every ruler and authority of the dark places, guys. He's already defeated Satan and death, right? Remember that whole the stone roll away thing? Guys, Jesus went and got the keys. So, So in a very real way, church, he is looking for who to hand them to, to see on earth as it is in heaven. And when we align our hearts to go on the search and say, what pleases the king? What pleases the king? We become a people that can see on earth as it is in heaven. And yeah, so why don't you guys just stand with me? We're going to respond. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to celebrate our king tonight. We're not going to have the prayer team up here. Um, but but there's, we're going to celebrate that God is a good king. And we're going to align our hearts together as a congregation with the goodness of God. You guys know this song? Let the king of my heart right. I'm not going to lead it over. But listen, the heart cry of this song is that God is what? He's good. And I know that might feel simple, okay? But that was part of Peter's revelation of who Jesus was. He said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You're the full nature and total image and representation of who God is in church. He is a good God. And and we want his reign in our midst, not like precipitation. Oh, that, that's cool too. And the timing of the snow this week was rad, okay? Because it, we've been praying, God, pour out something new. And in the week, anyways, but we want a good king in our midst, amen? I'm having this like cheesy thought go through my head, okay? You know how in grade school, you know, it's like every morning, you know, there's the American flag on the wall, and they're like, okay, stand up. We're going to do the Pledge of Allegiance, right? And everybody turns. Okay, just turn over there like there's a flag on the wall. I'm just kidding. 
you don't have to. Wow, some of y'all are so submitted to your leadership. Like, way to go, okay? And we pledge allegiance, you know, to the flag. Like, I feel like there's, this is the moment. We're not gonna do that. We're not gonna do some cheesy, like, we pledge allegiance to King Jesus, okay? Maybe last week. But now, we're gonna sing this song, but here's what I need. Can we make this an, a, mom, a moment of allegiance to the King of Kings, please? Because we want his kingdom to come, amen? And we want his will to be done, amen? And we want on earth as it is in heaven, right? So let's pledge our allegiance to the King of Kings. And then next week, I want us to get into a little bit more of what are the things that please his heart. Because as we go into a new year, if we can learn to be a people more and more and more that are obsessed with the will of God, we'll see his kingdom in our midst, amen? So Father, we love you. We do say all hail King Jesus. We say there's no other name in heaven or on the earth by which men are saved. There's no other name in all of creation that is higher than the name of King Jesus. Come on, somebody here needs to lift their hands because we are exalting the King of Kings over the city. We are exalting that there's a Lord above all. There is one rule above all other rules, not just above some. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of all lords. There's only room underneath him. There's only room beneath his throne. He's the son of the most high. It's what the angel said to Mary. So King Jesus, we celebrate your goodness tonight in our hearts.